letters thirty eight and thirty nine of the history of lady barton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the history of lady barton by elizabeth griffith letters thirty eight and thirty nine letter thirty eight lady barton to miss cleveland southfield yes fanny i confess it you have searched my bosom and found the arrow rankling in my heart too cruel sister better sure far better that you had remained ignorant of my disease unless you can prescribe a cure i now detest myself and all that generous confidence which is the true result and firm support of real virtue is for ever fled i shrink even from the mild eye of friendship the tender the affectionate looks of harriet and lucy now distress me how then shall i endure the stern expression of contempt and rage from an offended husband's angry brow there is but one thing that could be more dreadful i mean his kindness that alone could add new horrors to my wretched state and make me feel the humiliating situation of a criminal still more than i now do i am i am a criminal alas you know not what degree i am so but i will tell you all lay bare my heart before you and beg you not to soothe but probe its wounds at about a quarter of a mile from our house there is an octagon temple which overlooks a fine piece of water adjoining to which there is a beautiful and extensive wood this room then i have fitted up in a very elegant taste as a small library or museum for myself and it is entirely devoted to my hours of retirement here i read write draw or ruminate in this spot on the day after i last wrote you i was sitting and musing i will confess it on the happiness which might have been my portion had i happened to have met lord lucan before i was sir william barton's wife the tears streamed insensibly from my eyes and so much dimmed my sight as to make it doubtful whether the figure i then saw of lord lucan walking by the canal was real or visionary i rose immediately to the window and perceived it to be him he came slowly on gazing intently on a miniature picture which he sometimes pressed to his lips and sometimes held at a distance as if to place it in different points of view blushing i own it fanny i felt the pains of jealousy i doubted not but it was miss ashford's picture and instantly detested the original how unworthy how unworthy how unjust do i now appear in my own sight my feet became as much riveted to the place where i stood 
as lord lucan's eyes were to the picture he saw me not till he came close to the window and then in the utmost confusion slept the portrait into his pocket he came into the temple covered with blushes made a thousand apologies for having intruded upon my retirement though he said he had come on purpose to take his leave as he meant to quit sir arthur ashford's and set out for his own seat the next day with more pique than prudence i told him that i was surprised at his having resolution sufficient to tear himself from a person whose picture was so dear to him as i supposed that to be to which i had seen him pay his adorations when i fancied he might have the original as a companion for life if he choose it i never saw surprise so strongly painted as in his countenance his voice faltered while he replied were that possible madame i should be the happiest man alive but alas there is a bar an unsuperable bar which cannot be surmounted therefore madame i do tear myself from the too lovely object of a despairing passion i was very near as much confused as lord lucan and without knowing what i said replied i pity you my lord and am truly sorry at that instant he in an exactly exclaimed oh stop most honoured most beloved of women nor raise my transports to that dangerous height which may exceed to madness yet yet again repeat the charming sound and by your pity overpay my sufferings it was impossible for any one not quite an idiot to misunderstand this declaration yet was i absurd enough to seem ignorant of his meaning and answered that i did not conceive of what use my pity could be to him as i could not hope to have more influence on miss ashford than himself he started from his seat and with a look that seemed to pierce through all my little artifice cried out miss ashford madame how is it her concern surely my lord i replied i thought it was that lady's picture with which you seemed so much delighted as you walked along he gazed on me again with earnestness as he would read my thoughts and then with downcast looks as speaking to himself he said it must be so that form that angel form cannot deceive and my temetry is yet a secret it shall remain so for i will fly for ever from her sight he turned away his face to hide his tears and i had suffered our conversation to have ended there i had been far less guilty than i am but vanity that bane of female virtue led me on to tell him that i could not be satisfied without a farther explanation on this subject and that as he had declared miss ashford 
was not the object of his passion i hoped he could have no objection to shrewing me the picture of a person whom in all probability i neither did nor possibly might ever know he looked at me then with a countenance more solemn than i had ever seen him wear i blushed excessively from a consciousness of my own insincerity he saw into my thoughts and with a firm and yet affecting manner spoke thus do not for your own sake madame extend the cruelty of your triumph beyond my demerits nor wantonly sport with the miseries of one whom you have though innocently rendered wretched nature formed you in her most perfect model and gave me susceptibility to admire those charms which to my endless grief were then devoted to another i sought not madame to invade his right or soil the purity of your fair bosom with one improper thought your friendship your esteem i wished to gain and for that purpose kept my love concealed chance only has revealed it how am i to blame or wherefore should i now become the object of your hatred or contempt your pity was the sole indulgence i ever should have dared to have solicited that you might without a crime have bestowed the wildness of my passion flattered my fond hopes that you had just now granted it judge of its value by my transports madame but you recall the precious gift and all that i now dare presume to ask is your forgiveness allow me that and never more shall the unhappy lucan offend your eyes or feast his own with gazing on your charms tears stopped his utterance oh fanny was it possible that my eyes should be dry they streamed too surely i confess my weakness at that moment my heart first felt the luxury of tears the soft effusion flowed from pity from tenderness from dare i pronounce it love the emotion he discovered at seeing me weep was quite extravagant he threw himself at my feet snatched my hand and pressed it to his lips and vowed he would never rise till i pronounced his pardon at that instant i heard the sound of voices that approached us and exclaimed rise my lord i pardon and i pity you he had scarce time to obey me before colonel walter lucy and harriet entered the temple the apparent confusion both of lord lucan's looks and mine with the tears that still trembled in her eyes was but too visible to pass unnoticed lucy appeared surprised at the sight of lord lucan harriet's face was covered with blushes and the colonel by a malignant smile shrewd that he enjoyed our distress he presented me with a letter from sir william whom he had left in dublin and said he hoped that would please his excuse 
for having interrupted what he thought the most agreeable party in the world a sentimental tete-a-tete and turning briskly to lord lucan asked him if he had been relating the melancholy story of eloise and abelard or the more disastrous loves of hero and leander pique now got the better of my confusion and without waiting for lord lucan's reply i answered that we need not go so far back for melancholy tales for that i was acquainted with some persons now living whose sufferings far exceeded those of the unfortunate ladies he had mentioned he turned his piercing eyes quick upon me at those words and for the first time of his life i believe blushed oh fanny what an indiscreet and consequently unhappy wretch is your sister thank heaven mrs walter is out of his reach but have i not by this unguarded speech betrayed the secret to her tyrant i never shall forgive myself my lucy ever kind and attentive to her now unworthy friend relieved us all from our embarrassment by rendering the conversation general and proposed our returning to the house as there was hardly any time for me to dress before dinner and added that she would either endeavour to entertain the gentlemen at the harpsichord or engage with them at billiards we then all set out seemingly at ease but who can read the human heart or the various springs that actuate its movements mine wretched as it is had then received a hateful guest unknown to it before conscientious of having erred its sure attendance fear and shame now followed close and when i reached my toilet and viewed my shadow in the glass my colour varied as these passions worked and i became alternate red and pale poor benson saw the effect without the cause and was alarmed she would have got me drops which i refused sick sick at heart i was but where is the medicine that can abate its conflicts left oh for a draught of it a shower of tears somewhat relieved me i read sir william's letter cruelest of husbands it was the kindest that he ever wrote since he obtained that title he will return to southfield in a few days how shall i look upon him fanny i cannot now go on my next text shall tell you all l barton p s i have read mrs walter's letter and yours but am at present incapable of answering either letter thirty nine lady barton to miss cleveland southfield amidst the variety of disagreeable thoughts which had disturbed me curiosity asserted its rights in a female breast and increased my uneasiness by a wish to know how lord lucan had obtained my picture i never had but two miniatures taken of me one in my happy days for my dear fanny and a second last winter in dublin 
at the earnest request of my niece soon after she came to live with us it was impossible that she should be in possession of the first and a train of very unpleasant ideas succeeded to the thought of harriet's having given him the latter i sent for her directly when she came into my dressing-room i perceived she had been weeping and i also perceived my picture on her arm this put a stop to the inquiry i had designed to make and by way of saying something i asked her where lord lucan was she said she had just then left him in sir william's library my curiosity was again raised to know the cause of harriet's tears i could not ask her but my heart informed me she loves lord lucan unhappy girl yet still far happier than i she may without a blush avow her passion while mine must cover me with endless shame yet wherefore should there be this false distinction if passion is involuntary it cannot be criminal tis consequences only that can make it so and harriet and louisa both may love with innocence flattering sophistry alas i would deceive myself but cannot have i not vowed even at the altar vowed to love another yet can this vow be binding which promises what is not in our power even at the time we make it but grant it were the contract sure is mutual and when one fails the other should be free wretched louisa strive no more to varnish our thy faults thou wert a criminal in the first act who wedded without love and all the miseries which proceeded from thence too justly are thy due yes fanny i will take your counsel and will patiently submit to those corrosive chains which i myself have riveted i will not murmur but i must complain to you and you alone my friend my sister desert me not while i deserve your pity and i will still endeavour to deserve it lord lucan is gone my entreaties have prevailed he returns not to ash park or southfield any more do not congratulate me on this imaginary triumph i have brought the concession but too dear i have avowed my love do not detest me fanny i saw no other way to secure my virtue by confessing my passion i have put it out of my power ever to see or converse with the object or it more he is banished for ever from my sight what would my sister or what the rigid world have more with infinite difficulty i discovered that the innocent and undesigning harriet had lent him my picture and he sent off his servant to france to get it copied who returned with it to ash park on the day i first saw it in his hand i shall never take notice of this affair to her as i too well know how difficult it must be 
to refuse the request of one we love but surely his making this request must have severely pained her tender heart sweet gentle innocent i must sincerely pity her distress the detestable colonel walter stays with us still though unasked i think he looks with prying eyes on all my actions yet what are they to him he has no friendship either for sir william for me or any one else cruel consciousness that compelled me to banish lord lucan and suffer colonel walter to remain in my house have i not fanny sufficiently sacrificed to forms and scruples i have this moment received a letter from sir william business detains him for a month longer in town i rejoice for his sake as much as my own as i hope i shall recover a greater degree of composure than i am at present mistress of by the time he returns i detest dissimulation yet as lucia says dissembling may for once be virtuous at least so far as to conceal that fault which cannot now be prevented yet trust me sir william trust me my honoured brother and beloved sister no stain shall ever rest upon your names for my misconduct i only ought and i alone will suffer my vow is passed to heaven and you this unhappy subject has so totally engrossed my thoughts that i find it impossible to think of any other excuse me therefore to our amiable friend mrs walter embrace her and kiss the young olivia for me tell me of all your healths and happiness which will supply some to your ever affectionate sister l barton p s the colonel has never taken the least notice of the suspicious appearances in the temple he has informed us that his intended match with miss leighton is quite off seems perfectly gay and alert and appears inclined to pay his addresses to miss ashford i have injured her without design but should he have the least chance to succeed there i will atone the injury i have done her by preventing the connection lucy sets off this moment and express from her lover who lies dangerously ill in dublin hurries her away she is distracted i envy her distraction she may to all the world declare her grief her love for the deserving cresswell end of letters thirty eight and thirty nine